0: Got Got Your Ears On is brought brought to you you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Tom Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's It's Got 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 Your Ears ears On. All right, everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot. Hello. Hello. And Johnson... We're just going to have to bounce back, Guido. Bouncing back is going to be the theme of today's episode. And joining us for all of March Madness is Mr. Brett Solheim. Brett, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, guys. It is something. I don't know if it's a pleasure. This week, I don't know if it's a pleasure because it was just a tough week. We we dropped two, we win one, and the team that we beat... I, I mean... It was awesome to see Jalen have a great game against TCU, but TCU is not a, a, a good team. But we'll start with the Baylor game, which I kind of went into it thinking, guys, that if it's a loss, at least it would—it was a good loss. You know, it was going to be a good loss. It was a tough team. Baylor is a good team, but you know, the talk going into that game was all Baylor's. You know, they're 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 coming off their COVID. They're having a hard time getting everybody back. They had eight guys that had COVID, and it's really they're really you know, sluggish. And then they didn't look sluggish to me in that game. I mean, what did you think, Brent?
1: I thought they looked good. You know, I I, honestly, I thought both teams, West Virginia, you know, our team and uh, Baylor both looked, looked good. Um, They both looked like they could be an elite eight, maybe a final four team. Um, It was just a fun game to watch. You know, I I recognize it didn't end the way we wanted it to end, but the way both teams were shooting the ball and, and hot and, You know, it went back and forth. It was just – it was a great basketball game. We just came up a little short.
2: Brent, I thought one of the things that struck me just watching that game was I didn't realize the size that Baylor seemingly had across the board. I mean, you look at people like uh, – was it Vital – um, you know, just, I mean, he's one that sticks out cause he's kind of scoot would call him a thickums, I think, but it's seemingly at every position, I felt like they had size for days. Now I didn't feel like we got crushed on the rebounding edge, but everything felt like work that game around the basket.
1: I, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, they are a big, strong team and that's just, you know, ever since um, Oscar left the team. Isaiah was injured. You know, we're a smaller team than we used to be, and we used to punish people on the glass all last season. And we're a totally different team this year, and, and it showed this game.
0: Scooty, Mark Vidal uh, for for Baylor, he he is kind of in the mix on every play for them.
3: Yeah, Yeah, he, he's kind of, um, I guess for a lack of better – better way of understanding he's kind of like our gabe in the sense that he doesn't do a lot of things great but defensively is where he really stands out and he's always kind of in the way to me i i really can't stand him because he is that kind of player i think that's i guess that's maybe a compliment that's a compliment for him compliment. is that i can't stand yeah.
2: him well he had been yeah. national defensive player of the year before right
3: uh, I think I think he was in the running. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he wanted or, or maybe not, a but, runner
2: up or I think that's that was the conversation. But
3: he he's a pain. What I noticed in this game though, and I don't know, I'm I'm not. I don't know any inside information, but it felt to me like Derek wasn't the same in this game. Uh, he had zero field goals. He uh, scored all of his points from the foul line, which is r- ridiculously backwards yeah, for the whole right. you know for his whole career really
2: and nine of ten from the line that game right like not Which only scoring
3: at the line but like really
2: consistently yeah, yeah.
3: like i mean he almost got a double double with foul shots think about that that was you know we would have never have said that uh two months ago right but I don't know. It was something weird where we really didn't have an inside game at all. If you think about it. I mean, he didn't score inside. We, If we scored inside, it was driving to the basket. It wasn't uh, anything from the low post area. So just kind of unusual.
2: Well, and like Brent said, though, we were, we were shooting the ball well. I think what, you know, I'm mixing my games here, but I think Taz goes for like 26 in that game. Um, I think Sean McNeil had a really successful game, so you know the the shooting was the shooting was on. I guess to make up for that, Scoot.
3: I and I I'm glad you said that. I still believe Sean McNeil right now for me, maybe in the last – and he's it's. I think he'll cement it by the time he's done at WVU. But like, if there's a guy with the ball outside the three point line, I want him shooting the ball because it doesn't matter where he's at. If there's a guy in his face, a guy hanging off him, if he gets fouled, at it, the very least it's going to hit the rim, and a lot of times it goes in.
0: Well, I think Fran, Fran Frischilla, I think, was did like two of the games, two of the three games this week I think Fran would did play-by-play on or color commentary on, and he said the same thing. That he said that he thinks Sean McNeil might be the best outside shooter that has ever played
3: at WVU. Brent, did you play with a guy that you felt like, hey, if I can just get this guy the ball on the outside – I've, we've got a pretty good chance of seeing him score.
2: Oh, I have a guess for that, by the way. <laughs> Who's your guess? <laughs> well, I don't. I'm. I don't know. I'm opening my big mouth here, but I feel like at the time when Brent was playing, Greg Jones. Uh, Greg Jones was a guy that sometimes he would hit shots that you were like, "Oh, what's he doing?" And then it would go in, and he would be like in the first row of the stands. So that's one person that comes to mind.
1: Yeah. I mean G.J. was a great shooter, a great great ball handler. That's you know when I think back of my teammates, I remember him as being our best ball handler, most likely to break anyone's ankles and uh he uh, he he could get hot in a game like against number 6 Yukon and just light him up. But you know Jared West was a
2: great shooter,
1: Cyrus Jones, Greg Jones, um Dave Ligori could come in off the bench and get hot sometimes. Um but we didn't have any shooters Nothing like uh, Taz or McNeil. Yeah, they're pretty remarkable. Yeah, they're they're they are just phenomenal shooters.
2: The other thing in that game too, talking about foul shooting, we we shot a we shot a crazy amount of foul shots that game. I think we shot thirty plus foul shots. We shot about ninety percent for the game, which for everyone that's been coming out of the woodwork to complain about our foul shooting, you couldn't I don't feel like Guido you could really complain about that game. But having said that, and this is coming from me, someone who would normally not complain about foul shooting when when we should probably complain about it, I try to give it a pass. But even for as well as we shot from the line, it felt like one or two foul shooting opportunities in that game really hurt. Were really gut punches. One that comes to mind, I think I think wasn't it Deuce in that game uh, for as well as he played at the end of regulation, I feel like had he put one more of his foul shots down, it would have extended it to at least a three-point game. Baylor uh, would have had to work harder to tie it up and send it to overtime. That's one thing that stuck out for me for that game.
0: Well, and I thought it was interesting because in the in the post game, uh, Huggins in being interviewed complained about foul shooting. He's like, oh, you know, we can't, we can't we gotta make foul shots when we need to make foul shots. And then you look at the stat line, they only missed four foul shots the whole game. Yeah. I mean, so it's hard to
2: complain about it. It just felt like just kind of like specific yeah opportunities felt felt bad.
0: And and I and it's and it's one of those things, you know, it was you know, end of regulation it was overtime. West Virginia played themselves in and out of the game kind of the whole time. Um, but really, you know, pulled it back in the second half. I mean, they were down going into halftime by three, I think it was. They come back. They, they, they win the second half. It's tied in the overtime. And, I mean, some big plays, it just didn't pan out. That last minute of overtime was just rough. I mean, Taz drawing the foul against Butler was a big play. Uh, JB hit a three there in overtime. Another big play. But it's just one of those things It's like, you know, and it's another West Virginia loss by less than five points, you know, or five or less. And if you go down the stats and you look, I think like every loss we've had this year except for one has been five points or less. The, The Kansas is the only game that, you know, was that kind of blowout. So it's. It's one of those things where, okay, it's a loss. It's a you know, we're on this three game home stand this week, four game homestand counting last Saturday. It's a loss, but it's against a really good team, a ranked team. It's not really gonna hurt us in the bracket. And then um TCU comes to Morgantown. It's Jamie Dixon has a team that uh is just not very good. And woeful. Uh, he has woeful, he, he has maybe? really nice hair though, right, Scoot? You love the uh, Jamie Dixon I hair. I
3: mean what are we hiding here? I think we're hiding uh Male pattern baldness. That's what we're hiding right there.
0: <laughs> the slick back, the slick back.
2: Look. Wait a minute. Hold on, Guido. You're scoot. You're not going to jump in here about the the uh, article of attire that had you so excited for this entire game. You're not going to bring it I up, mean, or what?
3: We haven't gotten there yet. It's I mean, the... it, it,
2: we're we're getting ready to sail by this game like that. One of the most important things of the season to you didn't happen. I mean, are, are it's true? You
3: mean the anti turnover chain? Yeah, come on. The (laughs) The anti anti turnover chain. Huggins. Huggins has the anti turnover chain. Like, he kind (laughs) of came across, like, uh, Something you would see maybe in the Sopranos or so. I don't know. It was just something kind of like, whoa, what is going what on? What was the
2: right? What was the tweet that you forwarded me? It was, I think it was fake Bob. I'll I'll pull it up and link it in the show notes. But fake Bob said, "I might just mess around, get my 899th, and steal your girlfriend wearing this chain." <laughs> yeah, right?
0: That was hilarious. Well, to has, me. Has, I've never seen him do that before. I've never seen the oh, chain. Yeah, I think he there. wears the
3: chain. I think I've seen the chain underneath, but this but, was chain but the out. The chain was out. Yeah, the chain, was chain was out. out. Chain out. I feel
0: like if there was there a bet you think he lost that was like, hey, if you don't if you lose the Baylor, you gotta wear the chain out, coach. I mean, or something. I don't was know. Was
3: there was there a bet when Catlin wore the leather jacket? <laughs>
1: we just all shook our head when he did that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so yes,
0: Huggins did bring uh, you know, he had some nice ice around the neck there with the gold, gold the W V gold chain. Um, you know, it was a great game for Jalen Bridges. Uh, He gets interviewed at the end of the game on ESPN plus Um, he gets, uh, he gets a double his first career, double double with 22 points and 12 rebounds plays 32 minutes. So, and again, he looks, he looks like he's going to be a star for WVU. Brent. He does. You know what? He, he's
1: obviously put in a lot of hard work. You, You don't, Become a division one uh, athlete or, or basketball player by by luck. You know, obviously he's put in a ton of work to get to where he's at right now. A couple things though, you know, he can attribute to luck, you know, he wasn't getting much playing time at the beginning of the year. Uh, when he came in, he was a little bit timid, you know, wasn't sure his role on the team. Uh, 10 games in our McDonald's all American leaves. So that opens up some playing time for him right around the same time. Another big guy blows out his Achilles. So here we are with um, with Derek Culver, who's you know our, our double double, and Gabe, who comes in another big guy who is the defensive specialist and would wait, you know, much rather pass the ball than take a shot. So you know, you talk about like it's not luck that these things happen, but it certainly provided an opportunity for him to step in and um, show us what he could do probably sooner than I think Huggins had intended for that to happen. But, you know, that three that he hit against Baylor was absolutely huge. He comes in, um, gets 22 or 24 and 12 versus um, TCU. You know, he's really coming into his own game and he's got, you know, a lot of time left. We're in the golden, uh, golden blue. So I'm, I'm really happy to, that he's performing how he is.
2: Brent, I'm wondering too, like talking about JB getting interviewed, afterward did i can't think off the top of my head but did anyone ever um catch you off guard and want to interview you after a big game or like did you guys ever clown around when someone was getting interviewed and try to like make them laugh in the background or anything like it just makes me wonder about that stuff
1: no not like that so we always had um the reporters would always come uh, outside of our locker room i don't remember one time myself or any of my teammates getting interviewed on the court before we even left we would go into the locker room um, before we we'd take showers, but we would you know meet as a team, and then we'd come out in our uniforms in, in like the hallway um, by the by the locker room, and we'd talk to all the media. Then we had the cameras there, we had the newspaper reporters. But yeah, I don't remember anyone ever getting interviewed on the court. You know, not saying it didn't happen, but I I, I don't remember that ever happening.
0: I think it's much more of a. I mean, it's definitely much more of a thing now. But you don't we haven't even seen it we haven't even seen it much this year though I mean I think you've seen it a couple of times with Deuce and maybe a couple of times with uh with Derek but yeah we haven't really seen seen it much this year but I think part of what helped JB in this game was that um Jordan McCabe was out with a lower back sprain or a lower back injury they didn't really ever clarify what it was so he didn't play any that kind of you know hand tied the fact that Deuce was going to play the one mostly. And not get you know Deuce wasn't going to be able to get loose with uh, with Jordan playing the one, and so I think that
3: that helped JB get more time on the court, get the ball more, and get the show off a little bit. Interesting enough, going back to we were talking, you mentioned Fran Fraschilla earlier, um, calling two of the three games. How about King McClure? I like I like him. I think he's I think he's going to be a great analyst in the future. Uh, he, he claims to be like the youngest uh analyst on on uh network television or something he's got some claim to fame because he just finished playing i think maybe a year or two ago well and i think most people do like him
2: i mean i think generally when you look at the feedback people i mean people dig him being in the you know in the mix
3: i like him he seems very knowledgeable he's very um open to to discussing stuff he's not you can tell he's not um he's not he tries not to be biased i don't i don't notice any bias and you know i mean sure when he i'm sure when he covers baylor he's got more inside information just like i mean they're not interviewing uh they're not putting brent on the iowa state podcast because that would make zero sense that's why we have so what you're so what you're
2: (laughs) saying is dan Dockich, king mcclure You'd rather have King McClure. You don't
0: want oh, Dan Dockage's inside info. Uh,
3: want... <laughs> no.
0: I don't think after last week, Dan Dockage is going to be on the radio much anymore, or on the TV much anymore. Anyways, he had a rough, I don't know that ESPN wants
3: Dan Dockage's input. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I think Dan Dockage had a little rough
3: of a week. But no, last King week, uh, King yeah. is great. King is great. I I'd, I'd take yeah. him or Fran either any game.
0: And he's good. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I hope that he starts to get more. You know, right now King McClure's doing a lot of the ESPN plus games, so you see him a lot on those games. So hopefully he'll start to get more network. I mean,
3: I'll take him over Spatola. I don't even know that guy. Chris Pistola, Spatola? <laughs> yeah. Spatula. <dude. laughs> like, who is this guy? Played at Army? Come on. Is that I actually didn't know. Is that where he played? He played. Yeah, I think at he's Army? got a jersey in the background of his <laughs> when he when they do his home shot you've got an army basketball jersey i didn't even know army played basketball <laughs>
2: well i spatola always comes across like he's trying to be clever and then i always leave like as they're going to a commercial break he'll give some kind of one-liner and instead of being like haha i'm usually like what is he talking about like what was he trying to do there <laughs> well That's what he
3: always makes me i think blame of. him for a lot of the Molar high school the oscar uh, Shebway, the what what other storyline am i forgetting like, I feel
2: like he's the one that re- – Well, JB at Fairmont. Yeah, like he recycles
3: the- those things like no other. Yeah. And we get him like every other game, so it's really annoying.
0: Well, we're getting Fran all next week. We'll talk about that here in a second for the uh, for the Big 12 championship. Uh, so, finishing off the TCU game, the other thing that kind of happened that was very strange in that game was the fact that Gabe and fouled out. He got all five of his fouls called within – 12 minutes, 12 playing kicks in the game. <laughs> it was a little, little rough on him. Treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> After the third foul, a uh, third or fourth foul, he just looks so like perplexed at be- how fouls being called on him. He just, I felt bad for him. Uh, there I don't
3: that know game. that he was following uh, what Marshawn Lynch advises. He was not <laughs> uh, checking his mentals. There is chicken. Count, yeah. Counting his uh, chickens yeah. and, uh, Check checking his bread, his bread. Well, you know, yeah. in fairness to Gabe, though,
2: I continue and maybe I, I, you know, Brent, this is one I'd like to ask you too, because maybe it's evolved over time. But I feel like the charge block call, you know, that's going to be forever a debate. But I feel like there's a lot of times and we're going to get to it. I think in this Oklahoma State game, there were some calls where, you know, I, I don't know how much more imposition I feel like Gabe has to be on some of those and he still gets a block called on him. And I think that happened to him in TCU once or twice. He, that's kind of his thing. So when the refs aren't calling it, you know, the way where he's, you know, getting the benefit of, yeah, his feet were set and so on that I think that is, that has to be super frustrating for him because that's what he's out there trying to do.
1: It's definitely, I'm I'm sure it's frustrating for him. Now, one thing that officials and, you know, will never admit, and uh, some people don't want to talk about is you know, they had the Jordan rules back in the day in the NBA about, you know, if, if if anyone breathed on Michael Jordan when he was shooting, he got the foul. Now, I mean, people jokingly said that, but there was some truth to that. Now, Gabe is not our star. He's our, he's our blue-collar worker, and he's not going to get some of the same calls that a, you know, a Miles McBride is going to get. Um, I hate to even say that because it's not like... Miles McBride is an NBA All Star and Gabe is trash because that's not true at all. But you know the referees—if that was um, Cunningham from um, Oklahoma State, he's not, he's not fouling out. He's he's not. They're yeah, they're not they're not going to call. Point. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to call him like that on a, a superstar. And Gabe, you know, he's our um, garbage man. Or you know, he, he does all the right things that other people doesn't want to do. He takes charges, sets picks. You know, gets assists. His assist to turnover ratio is, is crazy for a big guy. Yeah,
2: he's not going to get the benefit of that. Though. Yeah, You're
1: yeah, right. yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's not going to get those calls like a superstar would underneath. And, and I it's frustrating because I've been there. Brent,
3: how frustrating is it? For, I think a lot of calls, uh, this is my perspective. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Like a lot of referees will anticipate what they think is going to happen. And they'll blow their whistle and then what actually happens isn't what they thought was gonna happen. Like they think, oh, there's gonna be contact here. I'm gonna blow my whistle. Like you know, our guy gets out of the way or whatever, never makes contact, but there's a foul call. Did that happen to you a lot? And I mean, how how frustrating is that when that happens? I
1: don't know. I mean, when you're playing, you can't really say, you know, that 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 particular incident happened, but as a fan watching games, I think it absolutely happens. They see someone coming in. And, you know, someone goes up to challenge it and no contact whatsoever, yet there's a foul. Um, I I do think that happens good.
3: Well, and I, like you said, I think too, sometimes referees are humans. So they, they kind of, we all judge and perceive people a certain way. So if I perceive uh, Jordan McCabe to be playing out of control, I'm going to assume that it must've been a charge and not a block.
1: Right, I mean, so
3: you start to you start to kind of categorize people and say, well, there's no way he possibly could have, you know, been blocked. He he plays out of control 90% of the time. Well, I guess my my point is sometimes officials need to officiate what they actually see, not what they're thinking they're going to see. Couldn't agree with you more.
0: Scoot, are you going to become a NCAA official?
3: I I feel like I should be the guy that. That the announcers go to for the rules clarifications. Oh, yeah. Like they have in the NFL when they do like a review.
0: You'll be like the Gene Sterator of the Big 12. Yeah, you'll be the Scoot
2: Sterator. Yeah. Yes,
3: I would like to be that.
2: not not to belabor it but we because we we hammer the officials i mean like you know on the on the text machine i'm always texting you guys that
3: i know certain officials names that's a problem right (laughs) well yeah
2: and like during the not the circle back to baylor but just for one second i remember texting you guys a couple times this game's way too fast for the officials right now like it's just moving way too fast they there were some calls like i don't know what game they're watching and i usually say that but and and I felt that way against o- in the Oklahoma State game too. It's like there were some calls like I don't know what I don't know what they're looking at, but man, and and even you know fouls on Oklahoma State that I didn't think were fouls. I, you know
0: both both ways. There was times in the that Baylor game where I was like, man, this is all like maybe the NCAA needs to start put, thinking about putting four officials out there for these for some of these games. I mean, as fast as these games have gotten at the college level. You know, I mean, I, I feel like when you watch a, an, MB, an NBA game slower on the court than a, than a college game is now. And so I'm, I'm with you 100 percent, Johnson. But moving on to the Oklahoma State game, I guess we'll start with the fact that, and, and Brent, I, I really want to get your opinion on this. Big game for Huggins, you know, Oklahoma State 17 ranked, not a team to sleep on, 100 percent not a team to sleep on. But big game for Huggins, you know, the chance to get his 900th win is... In the Coliseum, in front of fans, and the team looked just flat. I I mean, I I saw you put something out on social media. I saw, I've heard it all over WVU Twitter. It's the it's probably, I mean, of all the and I've we've watched all of us have watched every game this season. It to me they it was like the flattest that they've looked all season. And I don't know if it's, you know, it was a tough week, four games in a week, you know, you had these three games, um, in the middle of the week. I don't know what it is, but like, what causes a team to come out like this and just play so flat?
1: Well, I I think it's, you know, playing three games in five days is, is a, a definitely a lot. Yeah. I I know you look at the box score and it's like, Oh, they played 20 minutes, 33 minutes, whatever. And, and you have a a day of rest in between, but when you play a game like Baylor um, and and it goes to overtime, it's not just the extra minutes, but it's it's such an emotional game. It takes a toll on you. And then you, you don't get the day off the next day because you got to prep for your game the day after that. And then same thing with TCU. All right. Hey, Bridges has a great game. You know, they can't go out and blow some steam off because they got a game two days from then. So there's it's it's not only physically taxing to play three games in five days but it's mentally taxing as well now you you have to play two games in three days sometimes in the ncaa tournament when you play like a friday sunday or something like that but the the coaches have already scouted the next team um you may if you have the first game in that first round you may watch the second game and you know start talking about the, the team that day but three games in five days is a heck of a lot of basketball and to lose to Baylor
3: how we did with extra minutes, I, I'm sure they're all beat. Yeah. Brent, when you when you have a – let's say you have a 7 o'clock game, right? What time do you show up at the Coliseum to get ready? Well, we always had – okay,
1: we had a pregame meal. Um, well, we'd have a shoot-around earlier in the day. So you, you'd come over and you'd shoot around, you know, noon or 1, do a walk-through in your street clothes. Uh, four hours before the game, so at three o'clock you'd have your pregame meal, and then after that you'd normally you know might chill out for a half hour. But you're back in the Coliseum by, I would say no later than five for a seven o'clock game. You got to get dressed, you got to get taped. You want to get out there and shoot around some. I mean, it's a full day. It, it's a, so it's a full you're day. looking
3: at a minimum including game and then post game. You're probably looking at at least seven hours committed just to to being in the coliseum itself. That's not even mentally preparing for the game. That's just going to the the facility itself, and and then you you tack on the fact that oh by the way they're still in college, right? So I'm sure they still have some schoolwork to to you know, classes and schoolwork and things to possibly worry about at the same time. Not that we're you know I'm looking to make excuses, but like you guys said. You know that many games with that amount of time devoted to basketball, plus all of the other things that they're thinking about. Plus, let's throw in the the uh, pandemic, the social distancing, you know, concerns. Because stuff that you used to do, Brent, when you would go, you weren't thinking twice about: Do I need to wash my hands? Did I touch my face? Did I, you know, am I too close to anybody? I don't want to be the reason why the team gets, you know, put on pause. So there's a lot of extra stress, I'm sure, there as well. So it, it's probably pretty exhausting. You get to the end of the week, you're probably pretty tired.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's not just physically. It's mentally exhausting. Um, I was going to bring up, hey, on top of everything you just said, schoolwork as well, because they are. They're student athletes. They're not professional athletes. They're students. So they, have, they, they still have all of those responsibilities. Um, I remember – I had a lot of Scott, uh, uh, classes with Scott, and those engineering classes aren't easy. So it's not just the class; you got to study for them, um, <laughs> and and you're you're not getting the opportunity to, like I said, blow off steam after the game. Not that they're going to go out and club all night or anything like that, but you know, you're going to be cognizant of everything you do win or lose because like you said you don't want to be the person that gets sick and make makes everyone else sick and you know you're not gonna can't or you're not gonna postpone games at this point in the season and any game now is going to be canceled um it's it's got to be an extremely stressful season for these guys and and i can't remember a more stressful season um for any reason that that anyone would have had in college basketball ever
2: Yeah. And I would, I think too, to me, I mean, we, to me, not only a stressful season, but then this whole reschedule has kind of compressed everything probably into the most stressful part of a stressful season. Right. So absolutely. So I I think on top of that though, you know, WVU Twitter kind of did its WVU Twitter thing after a, you know, after a normal loss, like, you know, we all go off a cliff anyway. Right. So I was trying not to read too much of that, but the prevailing theme ever since Saturday's game was defense is terrible. Defense is horrific. We didn't play any defense. Can you believe this defense? And I kept, you know, having a day to kind of chew on it. I mean, we talked about this with Brent, maybe not last week. I think the week before when we were talking about our games, we noted it. I think our good shooting and Scoot, I think you'll agree with me here too. Our good shooting all see like this isn't a new thing. This isn't a new theme, but our good shooting has covered up and kind of peanut buttered over some poor defense. And I thought as as Oklahoma State especially in the second half, what Guido, we gave up 51 I think in that second half against Oklahoma State. We we you know, we're watching them run essentially a layup and dunk line, you know, to the basket seemingly every trip. I don't it, it felt worse in that game, but it didn't feel like anything new. What felt bad to me in this game was Shooting, I think forty percent from the game, which Josh Witt would tell you that's not that's not too bad, but shooting twenty percent from three felt like you didn't get the you didn't get those normal you know points that get you over the hump on some of this poor defense. And I think those things just you know, Cade Cunningham and Scoot's favorite ice likely in or out, whatever. I just think you you hit a few more shots. I mean, we only lose by five after all of that. Um, you know, you hit a few more shots, you know, Taz and and Sean get a little bit hotter there. Um, we actually probably pull that out. So to, to me, um, to me, you know, that poor defense has all uh, to me, that's always been lurking in the background this whole season in all these games, but the shooting has kind of helped us overcome that. I didn't think that was there Saturday.
1: I just, um, you know, a, a, a quick stat right here. So their top three guys, uh, Anderson, Moncrief, and Boone, their top three scorers from the game, shot just over seventy-six percent from the field. Oh
2: my gosh. But I yeah. I guess that's a sta- that's staggering, to be honest. Like that's crazy talk. But I guess when everything is four feet from
0: the bucket, I mean I you know, you can you can shoot a higher percentage, right? 50 points in the paint for that game. So I mean it is, it's true, you know. I mean, I I, I can't imagine uh that those guys I bet you of, a, of that, 70% of those points, if not more, were in in the paint. You know, Huggins came out after the game and pretty much, I mean, the first thing he said, uh, before Tony Creedy even asked him a question, he was like, they had no bounce today. We had no bounce today. And and so, I mean, I think Huggs, you know, I, and again, going back to what Brent said, I mean, I, I don't know, and as a coach, you can't say, you can't make excuses. You can't say, you know, we've had to play the, all of these games and these guys are exhausted, which is more than likely the case. But you know, Hugs was definitely, you know, hard on him, you know, talking about how they had a lack of enthusiasm and they didn't have it today. Um, but he did make one comment that I thought was really interesting about Derek Culver, and he said that the and he didn't he didn't really say big twelve officials, he just said they. He said they need to officiate Derek like they officiate everyone else. And Derek had a tough day. He got those two fouls early. Fran Freshilla called it in like with 10 minutes left to go in the first half, Fran Franchillo is like, yeah, you're not gonna see Derek Culver anymore this half. And it's it's more often than not now we're starting to see that. Derek gets in foul trouble, you know, early on in the first half. Huggins doesn't like guys to, you know, if you get two fouls, you're sitting on the bench for the first half. And it starts to put us in these positions where, you know, when Derek's not in there and he's starting to rotate out more guys. Well this is
3: where the the depth and the size that's where where we start to see it I mean, I th- I think Seniengi will be a serviceable big man at some point. It's just not this year. I don't I don't think he's ready. And um, a lot of times this year he's been kind of thrust into spots where uh, in previous years there's no way Huggins puts him on the floor. So I think that uh, Isaiah Cottrell's injury might be in a lot of ways more significant than the loss of Oscar Sheboy.
0: I I agree, Scoot, hundred percent. And that's kind of where I was getting at. If I'm if I'm a team going into the conference tournament next week and i'm you know looking at tape and i'm trying to figure out how we're going to play wvu one of the things you're going to tell your guys is try to draw fouls against culver early try to draw fouls against culver early and you know it's definitely one of those things that you know going into next week going into the tournament you know i think wvu's got to keep an eye out for
2: yeah and brent you talking about those stats of their big guys um you know, points and percentage around the basket. I think another glaring spot from that game too, that kind of just compounds it is we got pretty well out rebounded that game too. I think we got out rebounded by maybe nine or 10, 10 rebounds, which I feel like is not like us, even with this team, that's a little more finesse maybe than, than some, some past teams that to me, that was a big, a big eyebrow raise too.
1: Yeah. When Culver's only getting 20 minutes of, of playing time, you know, it's tough to get a double-double. He had 14 points, five rebounds, but in 20 minutes, it's tough to get 10 rebounds. That's 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 very difficult to do. So he goes to the bench. Someone comes in and replaces him. That isn't the rebounder that he is. Next thing you know, we're getting out-rebounded by nine uh, rebounds. So um, we need him to be on the court uh, to help that stat in particular.
2: And Guido, one last thing. I mean, for his, for his great and huge of a contribution as JB had in TCU he comes back in this game and i think in in pretty significant minutes he really didn't even get many shots up i don't think he had a i don't think he had a point for the game which was unfortunate
0: yeah only 3 shots no points so it's it's definitely tough when the guy who was hot the previous game comes back and is cold as can be WVU finishes the regular season 18 and 8 so that's good you know 11 and 6 in the conference we should be happy about that especially after previous years
3: seven of eight losses by five points or less is that right
0: yeah yeah that's right yeah that's a killer other
3: than the kansas game
0: other than the kansas game by five points or less seven of eight losses so uh you know and i think out of everything come out of this guys one of the most staggering numbers to me is we were eight and five at home we were seven and two on the road crazy Yes. this team that i mean what was it february two years ago we lost every road game or whatever it was like this team now you know can play on the road, has, has proven that they can play on the road in three and one in neutral sites. So it's interesting uh, going into the, the Big 12 tournament, which we're going to take a break here in a second. We're going to come back and talk big 12 tournament prep. but I do want to make one comment about this team uh, as we think about it. Taz Sherman all but announced that he is not coming back for his his free year. He uh, puts out on Twitter, it was great to play, uh, you know, could, sorry we couldn't win it for hugs, it was great to play my last game, you know, in the Coliseum as a Mountaineer. So I thought that was interesting. Well, he put he a maybe. A, well, he did he put, put a maybe. A, he
2: put a maybe
0: in parentheses. He did put a maybe he, in He gave you a maybe.
2: All right. I'm hanging on
0: to that maybe. You're hanging on to that maybe. that maybe. Don't take that maybe away. Yes, the maybe's in there. Well, let's take a break. We're going to come back and talk about how we dropped from chances of being second to fourth in the Big 12 tournament and do a little preview of that. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday-carrying knives. If you go to vortechknives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday-carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, Guido, along with Scoot johnson and brett solheim here don't forget check us out on our social media you can find us on instagram and twitter got your ears or you can look for us on facebook just search got your ears on well we're going to take this segment and talk about the big 12 tournament what is it the phillips 66 big 12 championship is what they call it and uh, wvu is a number four seed in that tournament uh, we with the loss to Oklahoma, we dropped to the chance of being a two or chance of from a two to being a three or a four Texas beat TCU on Sunday. We then move on and become a four seed. And guess who we get to face, boys? Oklahoma State. So get okay, back again. The team that kind of broke our hearts the, this past week. We will now face them on Thursday at get prepared. 11 30 a.m eastern time whoa so yeah i don't know take a half day take a long lunch ah
3: uh, that's that's a killer nobody's gonna be able to watch that <laughs>
0: nobody's gonna be able to... it's 11 30 a.m on espn uh, against a cade cunningham back in the lineup probably oklahoma state team H- how do we feel about this going into playing Oklahoma State again for
1: him. well I think there's going to be a chip on their shoulder from this last game Cade Cunningham or not um I, st- I still like us getting the W <laughs> I-, I really do I, I think you know uh, a few days rest um you know we're not getting over the Baylor loss anymore now if I'm a, uh, for dump you know playing for I am I'm ticked about the OSU game I want to get coaches his 900th win I think we come in. We play aggressive. Hopefully, not Derek Culver because we don't need him in foul trouble. But I like our chances in this game.
2: Yeah, and I think we do too. We're, I know we have recency bias. I mean, this loss here Saturday feels so bad, but if you if you don't forget that first meeting, we we beat a full strength Oklahoma State, and in that game, I am just peeking back here at the box score. Derek Culver went for twenty two and nineteen, and maybe that's what it takes, you know, in a in in that type of a game. But so I think. I I'm kind of in the camp with Brent. I mean, I feel like as long as they can put this behind them, then go out, you know, go out and put your best foot forward. We can, we can definitely get it done. I just think the, the effort that we saw Saturday though has to be, and I don't know if I want to say, it's not really, I don't want to say effort. That's the wrong word, but just the energy level, you know, I just felt like we looked flat. So I think, I think we come out, we're probably angry. (laughs) <laughs> we're
3: pro- we're probably mad about how that game went and hopefully we have a more of an edge. I think had we lost by 15 between 15 and 20, I'd be concerned. I'd say oh boy. This isn't like lo- this is an uphill climb. The fact that we lost by 5, to me that's still anybody's game. Like I mean, 5 points, you can score 5 points in under 10 seconds. I mean, it's not I mean, that's it's a toss up. So I I think with what you guys have said, the fact that we're going to come in a little bitter, I think that that's going to to help us. And I, I, think, we'll, I think we'll be okay. I think um, these guys, like you said, are motivated to get Huggins' 900th sooner rather than later. I don't think they want to wait until the NCAA tournament. And I think that they're motivated to, to prove that maybe this was a fluke, that Oklahoma State shouldn't have won and and i think you'll see you know guys like taz sherman i know taz was kind of upset because you know could be his could have been his last uh home game on the coliseum and i'm sure he wants to go out with a win so maybe that's why he's going to come back i don't know but um i, I think that they're going to be motivated i think you're going to see the shooters hit and uh i i think it's going to be a good game i like that it's at 11 30 that'll kind of kill the hype.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it being that early game will, will help us out uh with that. Brett, so talk to us a little bit as from a player's perspective. You know, you've you've done this before where you've gone into these conference tournaments where you know, you know, it's win and play the next day. You could be playing two, three games in a row, you know, day after day. What, you know, mentally, physically, what kind of preparation goes into getting yourself ready for for a quick three days or a quick tournament like this. Okay,
1: so I I can't speak to uh, any deep runs in a conference tournament because we did <laughs> not have them. Um, I, if I remember correctly, for my senior year, we lost our final three games of the regular season and our very first round in the NC or in the Big East tournament. So we were in a massive slump. Uh, the coaching staff gave us three days off. Um, and then we came back and, you know, selection Sunday happened, all that. And we knew we were going and we practiced hard and we came out and we blew temple out by 30 in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, even if we've lost two of our last three, and even if we somehow drop this game to Oklahoma state, that does not mean that we can't do something, uh, special in the NCAA tournament,
0: you know, and, and, and luckily to be honest with you, of all the trips that we have to take all the travel that we have to do in this league, the trip to Kansas City, Missouri, not that bad compared to some of the other Texas trips that we have to make. <laughs> yeah,
2: relatively, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Right. And so it's it's not a horrible horrible trip. And I just think it's you know, it's one of those things where these guys they've shown this year how resilient of a team that they are, you know, the the coming back by being down by 19 twice. I think coming into this tournament, you know, they'll have that resiliency they'll they'll want to go on but the worry i have on the other end is like okay i don't want to see them give it all up just to win the conference championship you know is there any concern about something like that where you worry about hey let's win the conference championship but then it's all you know. You've run yourself exhausted for going into the NCAA. Well,
1: hey, if you if you remember back to 2010, I believe we won the Big uh, Big East tournament. Then we made a run to the Final Four. That same team. So uh, you know, this is a good chance to build up some momentum going into the into the big tournament.
2: Yeah, and Guido, I think they're going to need that resiliency because one of the this. This loss to Oklahoma State is kind of like the gift that keeps on giving, right? Because now not only do you have to face them again, but you've put yourself in Baylor's side of the of the bracket. So, you know, if you know a win against Oklahoma State's going to be that's going to be a a battle, and then hey, your reward is most likely playing Baylor that next game. So, you you talking about resiliency? They're they're certainly going to need some.
0: Yeah cuz Baylor plays that game at 2:30 on Thursday and they play the winner of what is probably going to be the most exciting game of the whole tournament the game 1 which is Wednesday night at 6:30 you can watch TCU play K-State. Ugh. Like that should be that should be a barn burner of a game right there.
3: I I would if I were the networks I would play that game in black and white because nobody likes purple. <laughs> nobody wants to see two teams in purple. It's ridiculous if Kansas State wears those ridiculous uh like faded crayon like uh uniforms and they wear that stupid uh, every man is a wildcat mask. No but no, it's not true. Not every man is a wildcat and it's stupid. Slogan. Excuse, uh,
2: in your in your seeding, what if we seeded a bracket of most annoying big 12 coaches this is sort of like a one-two uh, matchup right yeah,
3: it this, is a one-two matchup. the only good thing is we get one of those turkeys out of here like right <laughs> so one of those clowns is is knocked out so we don't have to deal with them and i hate to say this so uh, well, i don't hate to say it i kind of like to say it i think uh bruce weber the uh the seagull from uh <laughs> what is the movie finding nemo finding nemo I think. <laughs> mine, mine. Mine, mine 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 i think mine. i think he's going to get eliminated and uh mr comeover is going to move on
0: yeah it's it's that's possible the game 2 is oklahoma uh has the 7th seed against iowa state which is at the bottom they're the number 10 seed Iowa State I forgot Iowa State even had a basketball team this year to be honest with you did we play them i think we played them isn't
2: twice. it crazy that Oklahoma is a 7 seed as well as they've played you know during the conference season i mean i i don't know it's just a reminder of how crazy and tough this this conference is and uh, guido i'm with you how is kansas still the two seed i know
0: in this tournament it's so frustrating like how does that so frustrating that kansas is the
3: two seed i i don't feel bad for oklahoma because they deserve it what with the the guys they got i i think oklahoma yeah they've played us well i can't stand them like, I think Johnson, you and I have talked about it. They've got a, oh, yeah. a roster full of guys oh yeah that, uh, you know, I wish would play Grayson Allen on a regular basis. <laughs> <Right>. No, they <laughs> definitely do. They definitely do. Oh, that Brady Manic, come on, with this hair. And Austin Reeves... Those two guys alone are my least favorite players in the conference. Yeah,
2: I think Austin Reeves, Brady Manick. I mean, I think they're if we were listing a, an annoying players of the conference, they you might go 3 deep on Oklahoma before you get to a different team, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't surprise me though if they end up I mean, if you look at if you look at who, you know, they'll end up playing most likely can or they are playing Kansas. I I'm just trying to look at this bracket again. I guess we we pretty much with, with Texas taking care of business, I guess we do have all of our seating. So it looks yeah. like, you know, they're gonna play a hapless Iowa State team, then they're gonna have an opportunity to play Kansas and it's not to me, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they, it, they win that they game.
0: Be, they beat Kansas mm-hmm. uh this year
3: and in I, fog.
2: Yeah, and I think it was at Kansas, yeah. So that yeah. to me that's
0: yeah. that's gonna be an
3: interesting game too. Yeah. This will be the only time I am ever excited to see something good happen at Iowa State. Like I typically, so you'll be I, a Cyclone fan. Is I are This this might be the only time, other than my my daughters possibly going there if they were to ever go there, that would be the other time I would ever think of <laughs> Iowa State ever in my life.
2: Well, you can root for them in, in that seven ten game then, Skew.
3: I, I will and I and I gladly will because I'd rather see them go on than that would be just a real kick in the pants to Kansas and then
0: uh, so then you've got Game Six which is Thursday night at 9:30 p.m. Eastern time that's Texas Tech versus Texas two games on Friday 6:30 and 9:30 and then the championship game is on Saturday um, at 6 p.m. on ESPN Brent going into the tournament like this you know the guys. Who are further down on the bench, the Spencer Mackeys, the Jay Moores, Senny Angis, the guys that don't get a lot of playing time, the younger guys. Um, what what how important is their role in practice, in preparation, in during the game, when they know that they, you know, during the conference tournament, chances are during the NCAA, they're not gonna get to see any of that you know junk playing time
1: so typically you get the top you know the guys who play a lot you know your top eight maybe top nine guys um normally run against the bottom guys in the team in practice uh, as they're um you know they're they're running the plays that the other team offense is going to run so their role although they don't see the court it is important not only to you know run their plays, execute them like the assistant coaches, you know, when they're calling, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's game, uh, plays. But they, those guys are just as, you know, in the locker room, in the hotel rooms, they're every bit as big a part as the team as everyone else, you know, keeping morale up. Um, they have an important role, even though they don't see the the, the court during the actual game. So, you know, they, they can definitely have a positive impact off the court. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to see a, a team that uh, the bench is really engaged into the game. Uh, I know a lot of times in the past, you'll see uh, the ESPN crew or, or whoever, whatever network the game is on, zoom in on the players on the bench because they're having so much fun and keeping their teammates up. So they, they do have an important role. And uh, hopefully, our guys can contribute.
0: I will say, like, if you watch Spencer Mackey during the games, like, if you ever watch, you know, those commercial breaks or when something big happens, Spencer Mackey is one of those guys, and I know everybody loves him because he's, you know, the small white guy that gets in and shoots the three, and that's what Who he's known averaged for. averaged
3: 35 points in high school. He's not a slouch. Like, the guy's slouch. I know, not he's a not slouch. a
0: slouch. I mean, he could, yeah, he could school, well, maybe not Brent, but he could school the three of us, right? He averaged 35. Uh, but, like, he is one of those guys, though. He is always up, you know, jumping around. He's always in the huddle, uh, you know. He's ne- He's Never one of the guys standing off in the back. You know, Scoot, it's just for me, it's like, that would be the role I'd want to play if I was if I was on WVU. I don't I don't want to be out there with all the pressure of having to play all the time like Brent had to. I want to just be the guy who like is on the side cheering and like you know having fun. They're like, Guido, you're in.
3: You're like you're like what? These are
0: the best seats, man. These are the great these are great seats. I'm so glad I wasn't
3: it uh St. <laughs> Bonaventure right? and their bench that used to like I don't know, they played guitars or something, like when guys would score or some kind of like or they would do different things every time somebody would score. Yeah,
2: they would do like the – they'd act like, you know, somebody fainted and then the other guys would catch the guy. Yeah,
1: they had a whole skit orchestrated yeah. before the game even started. And, and you could tell they're having fun.
3: I, I'm- that would be Guido. Guido would be like, listen, guys, here's what we're going to do. Taz hits a three. Here's what we're doing. Like he's probably got cue cards. <laughs> Scoot, you pass out.
0: I'll catch you. <laughs> I feel like that. that's kind of like your job in this podcast, Scoot. You're kind of like the Spencer Mackey of this I podcast. I am
3: the guy. I've got the cue cards. I'm put the. i kind of like the guy that holds up like the, I'll hold like on football sideline. I've got the Chick-fil-A. I've got a uh, picture of a cheeseburger. I've got uh, a Speedo, and I've got a uh, uh, Corvette on a big cue card.
0: Yeah, you'd be the good you'd be a good backup quarterback. Like you'd be an amazing backup
3: quarterback. I can quarterback. hold a clipboard.
2: Do we know do we know if I'm assuming there's still limited fans allowed in for these games, right? I mean, they're allowing some
0: capacity. Correct. There is gonna be fans in there and and uh, so it is it's a limited capacity. And the other exciting news is the play by play guys are
3: actually going to be there. Oh,
0: okay. Francis is going to be in Kansas City. So it's
3: not going to be. Uh, there was a technical foul. I'm not sure who or what the technical. <laughs> oh, he's shooting technical foul yeah, shots. Something must have happened. Uh, we'll, we're not there. We'll have to find out. I'm going to guess he probably said something. Can't really tell. Like, that's what happened. Was that the, uh, I think that was the TCU game. Yeah, they were like, what's going on? So, uh,
0: all right, guys, let's make a couple of predictions here uh for what we think is going to happen this week with WVU. We face Oklahoma State. We uh will likely after that face a number one Baylor if we win that Oklahoma State game uh to then have to play in the championship game. How deep Johnson, do you think WVU goes in this in the in the big You're going to
2: start with me. That's very unfair. Okay. Well, you, you know what? I'm going all in because here's why. I think they're angry about this flat tire uh at home against Oklahoma state. I'm going to say they avenge that they only got one shot at Baylor. I think they want a second shot at Baylor after losing in overtime. Um, mm-hmm. I think they run it. I think they run it all the way to the championship game.
3: Scoot. What do you got? For uh, I think they go to the semifinal. I think they beat Oklahoma state. I think they will. Um, it'll be a close game, but I, I don't know that we'll beat Baylor. So that's where I, I I put us.
0: I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Scoot. I think that Baylor team now back two weeks more healthy than they even were when they played us, I think that's going to be a tough team to beat because that is – a number one seeded team in the NCAA tournament. That is a very, very good team. Brent, you want to give your thoughts?
1: I think we beat Oklahoma State. I think we lose to Baylor. And then I think we make a run to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. I'm calling it oh, right I now. I like it. I like it.
0: Oh, okay.
2: All right. I like that. I like that. I, like
1: I-, I couldn't say, I couldn't well, go out and just say, hey, we lose to Baylor and that's it. You know, we, we got to end on a positive there. <laughs> what do they call it? Like a positive sandwich? Start with a the positive, <laughs> then negative, and then end on a positive. It's not
3: sandwich we call that, but we'll call it
2: that. Mm. <laughs>
3: yeah, right. Scoot
2: would still put cheese on his oh, positive I would, sandwich. I would definitely put cheese on there. There's cheese yeah, on
3: everything. Scoot
0: definitely puts cheese on his positive sandwich. There definitely is some cheese there. Well, Brett, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week's Selection Sunday, talking about NCAA fun and breaking down whatever happens during the Big 12 tournament.
1: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: All right, guys. Well, listen, we're going to take a break and come back with the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got... Your ears on.
3: Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia owned and operated company that specializes in heavy duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25T-O-B-R-A-D-I-O for TOB Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Don't forget, check
0: out our website, gotyourearson.com. It's kind of like the hub of everything for us, right, John? Yeah, that's
2: right. So you can find the latest blog post with... All the show notes of stuff we talked about, probably some stuff we didn't even get to, and then of course uh, we have the merch store links there too. And if you're interested, you scoots wearing his today if you were if we were streaming at the time, but you can still get your pullover Guy shirts. We're already taking up uh, donations for next year, so um, it's all right there, including a link to the tune in
0: uh, listening spot right there on the sidebar. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. Got your ears on. Com. Well, in an odd way, we're doing it third segment. It's time for the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. And last week, Scooty won on Beavis and Butthead Trivia, pulled uh, a lead now of 5-3, to three, Johnson. You should be a little nervous.
2: Well, last week felt bad because I feel like it was one of those... You know, we said this last week, BTF can kind of be a heartbreaker, right? You get the final bluff. final bluff. I feel like I had held my own on Beavis and Butthead 90s trivia and then Scoop pulled it out at the end. So Guido has chosen
3: to help you out this week by making the topic uh, public schools in the Martinsburg area.
0: All right, let's do it. (laughs) No, no, no. This week's topic, because we're going into the Big 12 Championship Tournament, is questions about... The Big 12 Championship Tournament. So we'll see what your knowledge is of, you know, because we all love the Big 12 so much. Your, your knowledge of the history of the Big 12. Okay. <laughs> so just remember, you, uh, you get five points for a correct answer, ten points for a steal, and final bluff is worth 25 points. Before we started, we had a complete and total random flip of the coin, and Johnson, you get to go first this week. All right, let's do this. All right, let's do this. Here we go. My wealth of knowledge, Scoot,
2: on Big 12 tournament and like, Big 12 raise conference. Raise your
3: hand if you paid any attention to the Big 12 prior to 2012. <laughs>
0: yeah, none of us <laughs> did. Yes, negative. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I paid that much attention of it the first couple of years we were in either. To, you know. like, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure
2: I remember if uh, Kansas City is in Kansas or Missouri. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I'm spotty on <laughs> yeah, this stuff. In
0: I think this is a Missouri this uh, this will be educational for you and all of our listeners. So uh, I've got I've got a good feeling though. I think this will be fun. All right, here we go. What was the first year for the Big Twelve Conference Championship Tournament? What was the first year they did it? Was it 1992, 1987, 1997, or 2001, Johnson? I
2: think we do. This is 1997.
0: That's correct. 1997 was the first year, Johnson. That's impressive. You answered that like you knew the answer. Well, I I can't remember,
2: Scoot, were they the Southwest Conference before that or the Big Eight or there was some rendition yeah. of schools. I then, didn't pay like, attention
3: to anything west of the Hudson River. <laughs> it was like mid <laughs> at the Hudson River. So if it was west of the Hudson, I don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah, I think
2: it was, I was thinking mid to late 90s.
0: All right, here you go. All right, Scoot, this next question is to you. Johnson got that one right. He has a five-point lead. Kansas has the most Big 12 basketball tournament titles with 11. Who is second? All right, who has the second most number of conference tournament titles? Is it Kansas State, Oklahoma,
3: Texas, or Iowa State? This is an interesting question ah uh, i don't know that's tough i'm trying to think so oddly enough i do know a little bit of texas history uh tom penders was the coach at one time i'm trying to think if he did anything worth talking about he did have a perm so there's that um
2: always here this is filler while scoot tries yeah. to decide
3: iowa state had larry eustache who's best known for picking up the co eds at local parties um, and being named Eustachie. Yeah. I mean, who else has that? Never, who else has that? Yeah, on. nobody else has that name. You said Kansas State? K-State, uh, yep. I don't even know that they existed prior to Bob Huggins being there. Uh, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Kelvin Sampson. Uh, I am going to say, I will say Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. That was exhausting <laughs> to get to the wrong answer.
2: That was a that was a whirlwind tour of your <laughs> guesses about Big Twelve sports. Scoot. All right, so it's
0: it's not Oklahoma Johnson, is it K State, Texas, or Iowa
2: State? Well, I was debating between Oklahoma and Texas, and since Texas um, is still standing, I'll go with them.
3: Ooh, is it Iowa State? Sorry, that's incorrect be as State. well.
0: It was Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State Stachy. has four titles. Yeah. Iowa State. So you make fun of Ames, Scoot. Well, they had that Hilton Magic Bank then.
2: Yeah, I wasn't taking the magic into account, Scoot.
0: All right, so nobody gets any points there. And, Johnson, this next question is back to you. Of the four former Big 12 teams, which one has won the Big 12 tournament? Okay? So these are four teams that used to be in Big 12, aren't anymore. Which one of these teams has actually won the Big 12 tournament? Okay. Nebraska? Texas A and M, Colorado, or Missouri. I'm gonna go with the Tigers. That's correct. 2009, 2012, they won before they left the conference.
3: And let's be honest, they should still be in that conference. Yeah, they should. They
2: should. They should. They still should. Be and so they should.
3: Nebraska. I believe Texas A and M should also still be in this conference. Well, yeah, that's true. Colorado's kind of an outlier. I feel like they're yeah. not strong and stuff.
0: No, Nebraska's fine. I mean, I, I don't. I feel like. They're okay, but being but I agree Missouri should still be. I don't
3: feel Arizona. Nebraska fits the Big Ten, though. It's too far west. Me either. All right,
0: maybe. All right, so Johnson got that right. He's got a lead now, Scoot. Ten to nothing on you, but this next question is back to you for five points. Who was the most valuable player in the 1997 Big 12 championship tournament? Was it Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, Scott Pollard, or Jacques Vaughn?
3: Ooh. All guys who went on to play in the NBA. Three but. Jayhawks and one Colorado Buffalo. Um, you said most valuable player in the conference tournament?
0: In the conference tournament,
3: yep. 97. I am going to, so I think uh, Paul Pierce is actually my age, so I'm going to guess that he would have been later. Um, I'm going to go with Jacques Vaughn. Of
0: a gun. All right, Johnson, for 10 points and the steal. Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, or Scott Pollard? Well, my gut feeling was Paul Pierce, so I'm going to go with him. You should always follow your gut. You should always follow your gut. Yes, Paul Pierce was the Big 12 tournament cha- or MVP in 1997 when Kansas won the first ever Big 12 championship tournament. All right, Johnson, huge lead, 20 to nothing right now. And this next question is back to you. How many times has Kansas won the regular season championship, but not won the conference tournament? All right. All right. Is it zero, three, eight, or six?
2: Hmm. Wow, this is tough, Scoot. Um, but not won the tournament. Well, they've won they've won so many regular season titles. I feel like the volume could be high, Um, but I'm going to go with three times. Mm.
0: I'm sorry. That is incorrect.
3: Scooty, is it zero, eight, or six? It is six. I'm feeling it. Hit it. Oh, God. Uh, No.
0: (laughs) No, that's incorrect. (laughs) It's eight. Counting, Counting last year, counting 2020, where they ended up canceling the Big 12 tournament, but they won. Kansas won the... The uh
3: the regular season it's
0: eight times that they have won the regular season but not the
3: tournament. All right, well, their football team sucks.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> we can all remember that they have a horrible football team.
3: Stupid chrome face mask.
2: By the way, just not to get off on a tangent, but I think uh you're following this story about Les Miles and may not maybe last getting long. fired. Yeah,
0: yeah. Potentially, I, I saw that too. We maybe that that might be for a future show. He and Dan Dockich might start a podcast in the next couple of weeks.
3: Could've oh, happened. boy.
0: Okay. Anyways, uh, Scooty, uh, you're down 20 to nothing. You haven't gotten any points right now. Big goose egg for you. Uh, but this last question before Final Bluff is on to you. How many times has WVU made it to the Big 12 Tournament Championship game? Okay. Is it one, two, three?
3: Or four? I believe it is two. Son of mother. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry,
0: that's incorrect. Johnson, for 10 points and the steal, is it one, three, or four?
2: Well, I think Scoot's thinking of the back-to-back years we went, right? But I think it's
0: three times total. That is correct. Johnson right there gets 10 points and uh, the steal— and now has a lead 30 to nothing. Scoot, you don't have a chance to win, but we're still going to do final bluff.
3: Thanks. That's a real okay. <laughs> pat on the back. You
0: can at least you can at least make it respectable, all right? All right, here you go. Uh, as we always do, final bluff is worth 20 unless Johnson wants to wager five more points on it. Uh no. Well, final bluff is worth 25 points. Um, a correct for a correct answer. As we always do, we have you guys buzz in. Uh Johnson, what's your buzzer this week? Winner. Okay. All right, winner. I like it because you're not going to lose this. And uh, Scoot, what would your buzzer be? What's your buzzer this week? KU. All right, here we go. 25 points. Scoot's just trying to make it look respectable. Johnson's leading 30 to nothing. In 2008, Kansas won both the Big 12 and the NCAA tournament, but shared the regular season title with another team. What was that team? Was it? oklahoma state missouri texas or k-state
3: (laughs) k-u scoot uh i don't know when kevin durant came out i'm gonna say texas
0: that's correct 25 points and scoot you don't make it look so bad you only lose by five 30 to 25 congrats scoot for uh making it look respectable texas lost to memphis in the elite eight and then uh Case Kansas went on to beat Memphis in the national championship game.
3: Memphis with uh, John Calipari. That's right,
0: Johnson. Congratulations! Yeah, you. Won you. It, you won. Feels good closing the gap again. You just keep it. You're neck and neck now, five games to four. Feeling pretty good about it. I
2: hope. Scoot, uh one game back, as we might say in the summertime. I mean,
3: you're in the rearview mirror. So I'm okay with it. One game back.
0: Hey, and uh, good news, Scoot. Just uh, one last WVU thing before we uh, wrap it up for this week. Uh, Neil Brown came out this week, head coach, football team, in case you didn't know that, talking a little football. Neil Brown came out this week, says there is a competition for starting quarterback between Jared Daigie and Garrett Green.
3: Well, he has to say that because if he doesn't, Garrett Green's looking to transfer. I mean, I think we all feel it should be Garrett Green. I mean, you definitely feel it should be Garrett Green. You've, 100%. percent pretty vocal about it.
0: 100%. Well, we'll talk football here in a month or so as we get uh, into the spring game. But we've got a big week this week. WVU plays Oklahoma State 1130 on Thursday on ESPN. The first game for us, at least. The first game for the Big 12 tournament, which goes on for the rest of the week. Next week, we'll be talking Selection Sunday and WVU going to the Big Dance. So make sure you tune back in. And also, don't forget, you can find us online. Look for us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Got Your Ears On. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On and look for our website, gotyourearson.com. Thanks to Brett Solheim for being on the show this week. He'll be back next week and all through the month of March as we talk WVU basketball. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go, Mountaineers. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.